current healthcare industry news, my compliance tips and recommendations based on my over 10 years of experience in front office, back end, coding, and billing for multi-specialty physicians, compliance, and auditing for both ENM and surgical operative reports. These are my opinions alone and are not to be construed as legal advice. So let's get into newsworthy. I wanted to go over the two new September 2021 updates made to the OIG work plan. The first update is titled Accuracy of Manufacturer Reported Average Sales Pricing. Now, this is an audit from the Office of Evaluation and Inspections. Remember, effective January 1st, 2005, the Medicare Modernization Act of 2003 revised how Medicare Part B reimburses healthcare providers for physician-administered infused and injected drugs, moving from the average wholesale price to the average sales price, or ASP. Now, Congress has directed the OIG to assess and submit to Congress a report no later than January 1, 2023 on the accuracy of ASP information submitted by manufacturers and to include any recommendations on how to improve the accuracy of that information. This study will compare the ASPs for the top 25 highest expenditure drugs in Medicare Part B to other benchmark prices and explore possible reasons for any potential pricing anomalies that the OIG identifies. The final report is expected in fiscal year 2022. And the second and final OIG work plan update for September 2021 is titled Efforts to Improve Response to Reports of Abuse and Neglect of Children Living in Congregate Care Facilities in Six States. Now, this is also an audit from the Office of Evaluation and Inspections. In 2019, there were 9,744 reports of abuse and neglect in congregate care settings, which raised concerns about abuse and neglect of children in those congregate care facilities like group homes, resident facilities, excuse me, residential facilities, and institutional settings. For six selected states, this evaluation will analyze a sample report of abuse and neglect to determine how states monitor for and respond to these reports. The OIG will also analyze how states respond to multiple reports from the same facility and how states monitor for and respond to reports from multiple facilities that are owned by the same entity. Additionally, the OIG will, will use structured interviews with staff from state child welfare agencies to determine how states oversee reports of abuse and neglect in congregate care facilities. Finally, the OIG will analyze how the Administration for Children and Families supports states' efforts to monitor for and respond to these reports of abuse and neglect, including responses to multiple reports from the same facility and reports from multiple facilities that are owned by the same entity. The final report is expected in fiscal year 2023. Now, even though the September work plan was much shorter than most, it clearly still packs a huge punch, in my opinion. So we need to know, right, about the accuracy of ASP drug pricing 
Because if you recall, back in September 2020, the OIG released a report that identified that manufacturers reported inaccurate drug product data for 14% of reviewed national drug codes or NDCs that were associated with Part B covered drugs. Most of these errors were in fact associated with only average manufacturing price, AMP product data, which means that unit type or those units per package size, which were reported with the AMP data that did not correspond to the package size and perhaps the package quantity from publicly available sources. 24% of manufacturers, or 43 out of 182 manufacturers, were associated with inaccurate drug product data. So I always believe that providers need this critical information to review their coding and billing practices or their overarching compliance programs. I think these reports with findings are always most interesting and most informative, and I always look forward to analyzing them in the years ahead. It's also important for my listeners to pay attention to these monthly OIG work plan updates to see how they may impact you, your provider, or your health system. Stay tuned as always for my monthly work plan updates. They continue to drop the second Wednesday of each month. And now it's time for my best practice tips in trusty tip. So in today's new back to basics compliance tip, I wanted to focus on breast biopsies once again. In particular, let's go over percutaneous needle biopsies, PNBs, to make sure that you understand the code descriptions and how to compliantly code and bill for these surgical services. So what is a PNB breast biopsy? Last week, remember, I discussed FNA biopsies, which are fine needle aspiration biopsies, and their thinner needle usage. But PNBs, they use a larger needle to remove a bigger tissue sample, a procedure that is more complex than an FNA biopsy and can also involve the use of the local anesthetic to numb the area of the body from which the sample will be taken. Providers commonly use this technique on larger bodily structures like the breast. And here's a big tip. Remember, PNBs involve more work. Payers commonly reimburse them at a higher level than FNAs. Now, for a fact, a fun fact, currently the Medicare National Average Non-Facility Fee for CPT code 10021 for fine needle aspiration biopsy without imaging guidance, first lesion, is $105.38. While on the other hand, Medicare reimburses a PNB procedure, such as CPT code 19100, for biopsy of breast, percutaneous, needle core, not using imaging guidance, separate procedure, at $163.60. Now, how do we go about finding the PNB codes in our CPT codebooks? Well, in my opinion, PNBs are a little bit trickier to find as most are anatomically specific. So what this means is you'll have to use the index where you'll find the majority of them listed by anatomic site under the entry 
for a needle biopsy. The index will then direct you to such codes as CPT code 19100, which is again for biopsy of breast, percutaneous, needle core, not using imaging guidance, separate procedure for a breast biopsy. You'll also find some of these PNB procedures in the index under the entry for biopsy. And then what happens when multiple lesions need to be biopsied? For example, if your provider performs an FNA and a PNB biopsy on different lesions during the same session on the same day, and only if your provider uses the same imaging guidance for both procedures, then you'll report the core needle biopsy and the imaging guidance separately with modifier 59. But don't forget about the subset of modifier 59s either, right? Remember those X modifiers I discussed during Back to Basics on modifier 59. This may be a good time to use those X modifiers. Remember, XU is for unusual, non-overlapping service, the use of a service that is distinct because it does not overlap the usual components of the main service. Or try XS the modifier for separate structure, a service that is distinct because it was performed on a separate organ, separate structure. Or why not try modifier XP for separate practitioner, a service that is distinct once again because it was performed by a different practitioner. And finally, you can also try XE for separate encounter, a service that's distinct because it occurred during a separate encounter. Always make sure to review your payer policies. See if they like those X modifiers or if they still continue to prefer modifier 59. But if the provider performs the FNA biopsy and the core needle biopsy on the same lesion in the same session on the same day using the same type of imaging guidance, you will not be able to separately report the imaging guidance for the core needle biopsy. And of course, this means that you must query your providers if you do not know which method they used to perform the biopsy. So this is also another good time for our providers to improve their clinical documentation. So I hope this small series on the back to basics of breast biopsies has proved to be an important, an important one. It's critical to keep these types of surgical procedures well documented. So remember, pay close attention to your provider's operative reports. When the documentation paints the medical picture with clarity and with vibrancy from the onset of care, a certified medical coder can then abstract the often complex breast PNB biopsy procedure codes with accuracy. And finally, in this week's inspiring quote in Spark is from our iconic American social work professor, researcher, author, and fellow podcaster, Renee Brown. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. So very true, right? I think this is a perfect quote that reminds us inspires us on the importance of illumination. This impactful statement encourages us to be brave when facing our inner demons. 
it allows us the space to walk around in the darkness, to really get to know all that is holding us back, our fears, everything. It is with this exact exploration that we all can see the bright light within ourselves. It is here with this understanding that we see the illumination that resides within. I am happy Brene Brown's spark still shines on in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. Please go out and make this a great day, an incredible week for yourselves. Aim a little higher, do a little more, and give back in any way you can in 2021. There's so much each one of us can do. Now, one last final note for me, and it's another good newsworthy mention. We have CPT codes developed for pediatric populations receiving the COVID-19 vaccines when they become available with FDA clearance. That's pretty awesome stuff, right? So the AMA has already created, even though our CPT books are already printed and being mailed out for 2022, again, let's be mindful and keep scribbling our notes in the margins when the new books arrive, but they did create new CPT codes. So they created CPT code 91307 for the Pfizer vaccine product for pediatric patients. They also created CPT code 0071A for the vaccine administration code for the first dose for pediatric patients. And finally, they created CPT code 0072A for the vaccine administration code for the second dose for pediatric patients. Now, as always, I appreciate you diving into today with me, and I'm sorry that my voice is a bit squeaky and scratchy, but as I said, I am under the weather coming down with something. There's always something going around here in the Midwest in the fall, so thank you for bearing with me. Now, if you want more information from me, please go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Please continue staying safe and healthy, practice safety for one and all during our collective seemingly never ever ending life and times of coronavirus. Thank you so much for listening in on today's episode. And I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday.